All right, again, we are in the series Prepare Him Room and uh, wanting to really look at this season as a time to prepare him room. And like last week we said, not to waste our waiting. We don't want to waste this time to, to really look at Christ. We've been providing also uh, an Advent devotion for you in the mornings. Uh, I think it's emailed out around 6 a.m. And it's a short video that I've, I've done. And uh, just to spur on your thoughts and your family's thoughts about Jesus and about what Christ, the Advent of Christ, the coming of Christ uh, during this time means for us. And, and that we should be excited for that and hopeful for that and hope-filled because of Christ. So I hope you're checking that out. And today, again, we're looking at uh, the sermon, God Came Near. And, and when God comes near, how do we make room for him? So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to read out of the book of John, chapter 1. We're going to read the first 18 verses. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that uh, you've allowed us to, to gather. God, that we, when we come together, it's because we, we want to worship you. We want to elevate you. We want to glorify you. You deserve it all, and you are due the praise that we offer. God, as we, as we sit now and, and look at your word, as we uh, take that in, I, God, I pray you'd open our hearts and our minds to be receptive. God, that you would change us, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us of sin, and God, move us to a place of repentance and obedience. And God, that you would fill our hearts with faith in the Son of God. We're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for this time of year, which which makes us focus in even more on Jesus. And God, sometimes it's, it's really difficult for us to do that because of what's going on around us. God, quiet our hearts now, please. Let us focus on Jesus. Let us see him and let us let, us let him expose us for who we are, that we see our deep need for him every moment, our deep need to be conformed into the image of Jesus, to look more like him to the world. So God, be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in John chapter 1. I'll read verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Well, today, again, we're looking at uh, the idea, the notion, the doctrine that God came near and, and the, the importance of that. So we're going to look at a few things about that fact. And number one is this. God 
actually came near. God came near. And it's important to differentiate there. This is not, uh, when God comes near or God is near to me, uh, some people, some people in, the, in society think that's kind of an existential thing. It's, a, it's an abstract idea, but it's very empty. Scripture says that God left his throne in heaven, put on flesh, humbled himself, and became human. And that he came near to you and to me. And there's a huge difference between the idea of nearness and actually dwelling with us. Right? If someone says, hey, I'm going to be with you in spirit, you don't prepare the guest room for them and put out an extra plate. God came near. So for you and I, that means we ought to make room and prepare our hearts for him. Not just in an idea or in a feeling, but actually preparing room for him. And God comes near in different ways. We're going to see this today. But God actually came near. We see in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word they're talking about is Jesus, right? The Word became flesh, we saw. This is Jesus. He was with God, and he was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. Apart from him, not one thing was created that has, has been created. Talking about the preeminence of Christ and just the, the authority of Christ, that God, that God and Christ are one, that we see God manifest as Father, as Spirit, and as Son, right? We see all three in one, but Jesus is equally God. Again, this is God being near. This is not a messenger. This is not an angel. This is not a prophet or just a good teacher about the things of God. Although God sent those, this is actually God in the flesh. We see it in Colossians that he, Jesus, is the, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. This is talking about Jesus Christ, the Son, God the Son. He is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. That he might come to have first place in everything. What place? First place. Not second place, not third place. First place. And for him to have first place in our lives as he comes to us, you and I must make room for God to come near and to have first place. But why? God came near. God became flesh. Why didn't he just leave it with the messengers? Why did he come near? Look at verses 19, uh, if you're in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, right? God was in Christ, right? God and Christ are together as one. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by. Here's the the whole thing. Here's the why. Here's the how, right? Jesus was there to make peace through his blood shed on the cross. How did God reconcile us to himself? How did God fix and resolve the relationship problem between us and him? He came near put on flesh, and physically died for us, shed his blood for us on the cross. Why? Because only God in Christ could make peace with God. 
You and I have to have peace with God. And in order to have peace with God, a restored relationship with God, we know that we're sinful and we're separated from God. And there's nothing that you and I can do to earn our salvation, to earn our freedom, to earn our forgiveness, to earn our righteousness. There's nothing. So God had to come near because only God in Christ could make peace between us and God. Isaiah 9.6, a prophecy about Jesus says, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named. And these names of God, we did a series on just on this years ago. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. This is the Son, Jesus, will be called Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. That's who he is. He's he's. He is eternal God. He is mighty God, eternal Father. He is a prince of peace. And that, that's what Jesus, is, 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 his goal is, is to come and to make peace between us and God through his blood. A child will be born for us. That's God dwelling among us. He came near. We see it in Matthew, the prophecy towards, uh, towards his birth. The angel said, he will give birth, or she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was uh, spoken to the, by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, which is translated God with us. God is with us. So make no mistake that God actually came near. God, not, not sent somebody else, but he himself put on flesh and came near so he himself could die. See, listen, only God could accomplish our salvation. Only God could rescue us from ourselves, so God, God actually came near. Have you made room for him? Number two, God came near and his light overcomes the darkness. His light overcomes the darkness. Look at verse uh, four of John one. In him was life, And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. An amazing amazing part of the scripture that the, he's the light. He's not only God, but he's coming to illuminate and shine brightly into the darkness, into the dark recesses of our heart, into our ego, into our motives, to expose the wickedness that's really there. And that is not a comfortable thing. Listen, when the light comes in the, into the room, you've got to make room for that light. You've got to be ready for that light. And we're going to see that the human heart, although it's in the scripture says, the darkness did not overcome it. Some, some translations say the darkness did not understand it. And, and what, I, what I have talked about this before, what you see is the light has shined into the, into the, into the world, into the room, and, and darkness can't overcome it. Darkness cannot get away, right? Darkness ha- or has to flee, uh, and, and when there's light, there's no darkness. But here's what happens. When the darkness can't understand it or fathom it, how do we go back into darkness in the middle of the light? We close our eyes. We cover our eyes. You see... We don't like to be exposed, do we? 
We don't like the motives of our heart to really be on display. We don't like the, the bad things in our lives to be on display. We, don't, we think we still can get a grip. We can get, get a handle on it. We can do our own good, and, and we'll earn our way. And maybe once we get good enough, then we'll start letting that light shine and see us for who we really are. The problem is we are utterly in despair without Jesus. And there's not one good thing about us without Jesus. So his light shines in that darkness, and that, that hurts but for you and I, the light is going to lead to life. He is the light that shines light into the world, and he's the, the, the life, right? He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. If we want life, we have to see God's light shining in those recesses. I want to read a passage out of Job talking about this, this conundrum of, of hiding and, and trying to stay out of the light. It says in Job 24, beginning in verse 13, the wicked are those who rebel against the light. They do not recognize its ways or stay on its paths. So there's a, a, a way and a path the, the light provides for us. It shines light, right? His, his, thy word is what? Light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path, right? That, it shows us a path. It's that path that leads us to real life in Christ. But the wicked are those who rebel against the light. They don't recognize its ways or stay on its paths. The murderer rises at dawn to kill the poor and needy, and by night he becomes a thief. The adulterer's eye watches for twilight, thinking, no one will see me, and he covers his face. In the dark they break into houses. By day they lock themselves in, never experiencing the light. For the morning is like darkness to them. Surely they are familiar with the terrors of darkness. I want you to think about this, that, that when we operate in darkness, and we, when we operate in a way that we close our eyes and not, and not to let the light expose us, we, we are actually trying to hide ourselves from anything that has to do with the truth of God. So the wicked are those who rebel against the light. And, and think about the weight that is carried on the shoulders of those who don't want to experience the light. It talks about all these, these crimes that are done, right? When, when's, when's the highest crime rate? It's in darkness, it's under the cover of night because you're not going to be seen. You can, you can hide from the truth. And then what does it say? That they commit their crimes at night, and then when the morning comes, they lock themselves in their homes. They go back inside in darkness and like, hopefully no one saw me. You know, pull the shutters, let's close the windows, make sure no one sees me until it gets dark again. That is a huge burden to carry, to continually hide from the truth that we need to be exposed. That we need the light. We've all in some form or fashion known the weight and the terror of darkness and the insufficiencies that are within us to carry our own load. To earn any kind of favor with God. To be able to stand in our own merit before the God of the universe. There is no rest in that. That's why God came near. That's why God came near to shine the light into the darkness. The question is, have we prepared room for that light? Have we prepared room for that light to shine and expose inside of us, expose our heart for what it really is? Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it or who can fathom it? It's wicked, deceitful, beyond, beyond cure. That's the heart. That's the human heart. So for you and I, that means we need, we need to be exposed, not, not try to hide the fact that our heart is like that, but, but understand our heart is like that, and our heart is in desperate need of the cure, and that cure comes from Jesus. 
We all need light for our darkened ways, but we all don't want the light, do we? We want to continue on oftentimes in our own power, our own merit, and try to figure it out on our own, but it is a futile mission. We can't do it on our own. We have to make room for Christ and his light. When his, his light comes in, now there's a choice to be made, and we see this going on. Number, number three is this, that God came near, and we either receive or we reject him. See, Christ comes near not to just say, look how bad you are. But he says, look how bad you are and how good I am. Come to me and find rest. I'll take care of you. Going on in our John passage in verses 10 through 13. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is a, a rebuke for you and I to look at this and say, wow, Jesus came in here, and they, they didn't recognize him. They didn't receive him. They, they turned their eyes from him. They covered their eyes to his light. So, no, I don't, that's not the way. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want people to see my heart for what it really is. I don't, I don't want to see my heart for what it really is. But in verse 12, there's a promise. It says, but to all who did receive him, who had the heart changed, who said, you know what, I, I, I'm going to turn towards the light. I'm going to run to him. To all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who would believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The promise is that when we turn from our own ways, turn out of our own darkness, expose the darkness, and run to the light, and we, we trust Christ in faith, he forgives us. He makes us new. He does all the work necessary and makes us children of God. God actually came near and, and shines a light into the darkness. And listen, he implores us to turn to him in faith and believe him and receive him and become children of God. Don't reject Jesus. When Jesus comes near, don't reject him. Going on, a passage out of Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 17 and 18, it says, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. This is painting a picture, not just of the Gentiles, of anybody, of anybody, Jews or Gentiles, who would, who would harden their hearts to God that there is no life or light in them. Don't harden your heart, but soften it and humble yourself so you would have Christ and have life. First John, we see a promise there. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's a promise. The promise is that we can have life. But when we reject that life, when we turn away from that life, we harden our hearts and close our eyes, we aren't going to have that life. It takes really humbling ourselves, really preparing room in our hearts for him, not caring that we're exposed, understanding that we are absolutely insufficient without him, that we are inadequate, that we are wicked and evil, that the heart is wicked and beyond a cure. Only he can cure it. So we have to turn to him in faith and trust him. And, and when we do, we have the Son and those who have the Son have life. The one who does not have the Son does not have life. He says, I've written these things to you, that, that, uh, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
There is a freedom in knowing. There is like the pressure has been released because I know I have eternal life through faith in Christ. When I believe, when I receive the Son of God, when I have made room for him, he is the one that forgives me. And what he has done and what he has accomplished is more than enough for me and it's more than enough for you. Choose the Son and choose life. Well, number four, we see that God came near and he was overflowing with grace and truth. Because you know, sometimes it's not that easy for us to just say, okay, I'm gonna abandon my ways and I'll try this out. Well, there's, there's more to it than that. He was overflowing with grace and truth. Verse 14, in fact, in John 1 uh, through 7, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? This is God coming near, right? God actually dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Verse 16, indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He was overflowing with grace and truth. Listen, Jesus is the grace that we desperately need. We desperately need. Why? Well, because you have this, this truth that's gone before him. And you see the Moses and the prophets have written, and we see the law has been written. So he talks about uh, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Well, how is that so? Well, the law came. And when the law came, he said, this is how my people are going to act. This is how my people ought to behave. This is what sets my people apart. But the little fine print was, by the way, you can't totally keep this law. Therefore, you're going to have to make sacrifices on it. You'll have to make sacrifices year after year for your sins and for your inability and for your insufficiencies, and you'll have to continue to do that for the rest of your days. But wait, I'm sending the Messiah who's full of grace and truth. Truth is that he is the one, the only one, that could completely fulfill all the law and all of what the prophets have said. That's the truth. And he came full of that truth, and he came full of grace. The grace is he would be the one to be our final sacrifice. He would be the one that would do it when you and I couldn't. He would be the one, because of our inadequacies, who would die in the place that we deserved to die. But he would raise victoriously because he is God who came near. And God could not let death hold him. So God rose victoriously, conquering death once and for all, and giving us the opportunity to trust in his grace and in the fullness of his grace, and to receive grace upon grace from his fullness because we are so inadequate. I love grace. We aren't very good grace givers oftentimes as human beings, are we? But, but God is an amazing grace giver. And if we would humble ourselves and understand that in the truth we cannot keep the law, we cannot do it ourselves, and we would look to him and embrace the grace that he offers it would abound in us as well. He's overflowing with grace and truth so that we might overflow with grace and truth as well. The passage in Ephesians chapter 3 says this. Paul says, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with, the power, or strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. So there's this thing that happens when we come and trust Christ in faith that he wells up inside of us and strengthens us with the power of his spirit and that Christ, it says, may dwell in your hearts through faith. Not only did Christ 
come near. God came near to us. He's like, hey, I'm here. I'm knocking on the door. I want to come in. Make room for me. When we do make room for him, he actually moves in. And the Spirit of God dwells in us. Although God, Christ, has ascended back to the Father, the Spirit still lives here and he lives inside of us. So that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. He says, I pray. This is what happens then. Once, once he dwells in us, once we trust him, once we let go of ourselves and say, I want to run to the light. I want to trust him. I want to believe him. I want to receive him. This is what happens. He says, then I pray that you, now being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. Now, see, this life, when we believe, when we trust in Christ, when we run to him who is our grace and, full, and he's full of truth, he overflows with that. And now we, with him indwelling us and dwelling inside of us, we get to comprehend and learn more and more about the length and width and height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It doesn't mean you're going to be God. Let's not go there. It means that God's fullness of grace and truth, he's pouring into you that you would understand that he is the one full of grace and truth. We see him as more and more full. And we are more and more filled because he is totally adequate. God came near overflowing so we could embrace and enjoy his fullness. Have you made room? Number five, God came near that we might see and know God. That we might see and know God. This has always been a relational endeavor. This has always been a goal of Christ for us to know and see God fully. And us to enjoy God fully and to delight in God fully. That he would become more and that you and I would become less. It's only then when we see and know his fullness. God came near that we might see and know God. Verse 18 of our John passage. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. There's so much text we could go over. We'd be here all day long looking at the fact that Christ is God in the flesh. And then when you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. That the Father and Son are one. When Christ came, He revealed to us God. That we could now see God. We see God's heart, His compassion, His grace, His truth. We would see God. He came near so we could know Him. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10 says this, So then just as you, you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. This is a lot of what we just said. He's, he's overflowing with grace and truth, right? Be careful then that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition or based on the elements of this world rather than on Christ. So that there's this distraction that can still occur. Right? But God says, I want you to focus in. I want you to, to pull in here. And, and, and I'm, I'm everything you need. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Here's what, it, 
Here's what this is saying. The world is alluring. And the darkness of our heart wells up and the desires of our heart and the desires for pleasure in our heart uh, well up and we kind of start to get distracted. Or we reason things out or we look at different traditions of men or different ideas or thoughts. But God says, don't get distracted. Come back here. Why? Because all the fullness you would ever need is in, quiet, is in Christ. Everything you could ever need is in Christ. The entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Him. And you have been filled by Him who is the head over every ruler and authority. There's no one else greater or higher or better than Jesus. There's nowhere else you or I could ever turn for more fullness or more fulfillment or more satisfaction than Jesus. So when Jesus came near, he did it so that we might see and know that God is everything for us. And in him we can be totally satisfied. Everything we need is in him and from him. Paul prays again in Ephesians, says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's pause there. This is what he's saying. You can turn there if you like, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What is this saying? It says that, that really, there's a couple of things. Spirit, he wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is the Holy Spirit which gives wisdom and revelation, but he's also wanting to understand that you and I need to have a spirit that's turned towards receiving that wisdom and knowledge, that we need to be making room in our spirit for him. And what does it say? The wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The goal is more knowledge of him, more of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength? What does God want us to see and know? He wants us to have the knowledge of God and, and this know the hope of his calling and the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of his power and his love towards us. He wants us to see God as absolutely sufficient. That God would be the great. Everything we need in, is in him and from him because he is the greatest treasure we could ever have. And listen, he came near for you. And he came near for me. Have you made room for him? I want to close with just a, a chorus of a song. I, during Christmas season for, for our family, uh, we have our Pandora on in our house all the time on a Christmas station. Just, it's, it's like nonstop Christmas music. We love it. We get up in the morning and we you know, put the Christmas tree lights on and, and my kids are like, can we listen to Christmas music? I mean, that's, I love it, right? They love the Christmas music and they're singing along to it. And, and the other day we, we had heard this song inside the house and we had gone somewhere to the store and, and all of us like, were kind of humming it in the car and trying to, trying to recall the words. You know how you do that? Like you think you know the words, but you can't quite get them all. But this was the song. This was the one that, that it just to me, like this is exactly what we're talking about when God comes near. And the song is called How Many Kings... I'm not going to sing it for you. I'm just going to read it to you. I'm going to read you the chorus. All right. How many kings step down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats have become the least for me? 
And how many gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that is torn all apart? How many fathers gave up their sons for me? Only one did that for me. That's Jesus. He came near. So this Christmas, may you and I prepare him room. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Father, we're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful that you, you chose to come near, that you didn't just, just send a prophet or just send a messenger or just send an angel, but you chose to come near, that you dwelled among us. You put on flesh. You dwelled among us. You died for us so that we could have and enjoy you forever. Help the focus of our hearts be firmly planted on you. God, may we prepare room for you every moment because in you is everything we need. You are absolutely sufficient and satisfying and the greatest treasure we can know. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that through faith in Christ, we can find our rest, our hope, and again, the greatest treasure ever. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.